What did you do on Friday night at NG Vegas? Or NG Comp, I mean. Uh, I think me and Thomas just hung out. Cool. Cool. A little cozy evening at the hotel <laughs> by the fireplace. Yeah, by drinking the fire. wine. Yeah. Uh, we had some wine. We had yep. some, you know. Romance. Some, some JavaScript. And, you know. Shared a few laughs. <laughs> had a moment. Discussed um, the future. <laughs> Vim played a big role in it, too. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You guys watched the Vimitation game? Oh, bam! The My phone dropped. Joke time is over. This episode is sponsored by the App Quality Bundle, the ultimate tool set for providing better software. It includes six leading tools for one incredibly low price. It's a full-stack set of tools that covers continuous integration, testing, and monitoring for your mobile apps, web apps, and APIs. It's great for new projects and companies. And the offer is $999 for one year of service for all six services. And is available for new paying subscribers only. Go check out the website at buildbetter.software for complete terms and conditions. The offer ends April 15th, so don't wait. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by HTML5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that HTML5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directly. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Wichmo 5. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel we have Lucas Rubelke, Joe Eames. Hey everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I just want to throw out a quick thank you to everybody who backed my Kickstarter campaign. I believe it really will help in uh, kind of furthering the work with the podcast. So, yeah, just thanks. Uh, we also have a special guest this week, and that's Matthias Niemela. Yeah, Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah. Uh, my name is Matthias. I work on the Angular team. I'm actually here working on it at Google, and I've been doing so for about two years. And the stuff that I work on mostly with Angular is ng-animate. Awesome. And that's what we're going to talk about today, right, guys? Yep. We should try to get you to commit from the podcast or something. Commit? Uh, so I have this 8,000-line pull request. I could just take the risk and merge it in during the podcast, <laughs> okay, and then you know potentially... Get put off the project right after. <laughs> <laughs> you love the explosion soundtrack. Three, you know two, one, commit, boom. No, nothing amazing, ha- amazing happens without risk. Yeah, I can totally hear him telling Igor. Chuck told me to. <laughs> there's a, Chuck there's said an old, he, would, he would take care of it, so it's cool. There's an old saying, victory goes to the bold. <laughs> I think it's a little too bold. For- <laughs> Come on, Matthias, you can always roll it back. <laughs> do it for the team poverty goes to the stupid is that how, uh, the other side of that <laughs> yeah so uh we brought you on today to talk about animations uh do you want to give us kind of a quick overview of where animations are used and what kinds of animations we can do with angular so angular um kind of took a different approach in animations right from the start where it took them a while to sort of get them in and it wasn't sort of important at the beginning and then when the time came for animations, we sort of put this module on top of like basically you have the core parts of Angular that do their thing, and then you have the animations that sort of latch themselves on top of uh, an application. So unlike building websites, you know, a few years ago where the animation code was in line with the actual application code, now with 1.2 and onwards, it's been a module that you add on top of it. And typically with Angular, 
there's two ways to do it, and that's using CSS directly or using JavaScript animations. Yay! So that stuff has been around for more almost two years now, and now we're going into the territory of 1.4, and 1.4 is, has a slew of new things that are coming. 1.5 is going to sort of improve on these things, and then 2.0 and 1.5 are going to have a, a shared code base. So I'll get to that later as we go through the podcast. So I want to just talk briefly about the CSS animations and things like that. I played with NG Animate a little bit, and yeah, I, once I realized I had to write CSS animations, I also realized that wanting to do it in like two minutes was not going to happen. Did I miss something important, or is that more or less the way that you expect it to be done, where you create the CSS animations and then effectively add a class or add that um, style to the elements that you want to animate? Yeah, you can go in the direction of JavaScript and you know put a little bit more organization into your animations to have like sequencing and like add a, another animation library to it. Or you can just have, you know, the, I'd say it's more of the 80-20 rule where the 80% is something as simple as, you know, fading in something, sliding in something, and that's where CSS is really good. And I really like the way that Angular has it built out where it's just the CSS class that you reference in the HTML. So if you think about the coupling between the HTML and the CSS side, it's very, very small. Just a class that sort of is used between both platforms. So I played around with that animations a bunch. And one of the things that I found is that one, it's just complicated to figure out the CSS animations to begin with. Plugging them into Angular wasn't like the hardest thing in the world, but man, there yeah. was a lot to do with just CSS animations to, to begin with. And then kind of like putting the moving parts together, it was really complex. And the, But my biggest shock was the fact that there just wasn't really any really great resources that really walked you through. The Angular site itself had some basic stuff, but I felt like there was definitely a big gap there getting beyond the, well, I can do the Hello World example and, you know, a CSS animation and doing something more, you know, the, the next step. There just wasn't much out there for the next step. I had I ended up trolling a lot of different resources, going around looking at a lot of different things and never did find a really great resource that would just walk you through learning from very little to learning a lot. Kind of the challenge with Angular in some ways is sort of what information is fresh, what information is, you know, detailed enough to get started. But, um, you know, the animations is just another small example of that. Like, when I first wrote them, I, I made big articles about them, and, you know, things have changed a lot over time. And now at 1.4, there's another, you know, it's not like it's completely different, but there'll, there'll be more information once 1.4 is out. And there was a pretty major change before. Sorry, Lucas, did you have a comment? So just to kind of come back to your comment real quick, Joe, is I have a heavy flash background. And so programmatic animation is something that I've been doing for years and years and years. And one of the, well, I think the best JavaScript animation library, GreenSock, started out as ActionScript and then got ported to JavaScript. And so I really like the way that Matthias actually set up animations in Angular in the sense that it's kind of the candy shell around, you know, the actual animation or the part of the code that's actually doing the work. And so for me, once I kind of understood how the hook went and how to actually hook it in, it was just hooking in the animation stuff that I already knew. And so it was really nice that Angular actually doesn't really do much other than gives you a set of hooks to drop in your animations. And so I would say when it comes to Angular animations, the hardest part is actually learning how to do the animations themselves. The CSS part? Actually, yes. So CSS, I am very comfortable using JavaScript animations that make a little bit more sense to me. But once you understand that part, which is kind of a separate skill set, the actual 
angular hooks for animations is pretty easy to figure out. And so I really like how they kind of just separated that out and said, animations, do your thing. We'll just give you the hooks to hook into our application. Right. Yeah, when I was first looking at which I think it was a little bit, a couple of versions ago, so it was a little bit different. But I kind of felt, noticed the same thing as you're saying, Lucas, that the, C, the really complex part was the CSS animations. But there wasn't, like, you go and you look at resources on how to do CSS animations, and you learn some stuff there, and then you come over and look to doing it in Angular. One of the things that was really weird was, I think at the time there was three different styles. There was animations, transitions, and then JavaScript animations. Right, and each one hooked up just a little bit differently in Angular. Is that a poor representation, Matthias, or is that accurate? That's an accurate representation. And you know, it's like transitions and keyframe animations are different from one another. And they're still in the CSS realm, and then you have the JavaScript ones. It's you know just the way that the web technologies are. Like, right. We've done everything we can to well, not everything we can, but we're trying to really make the sort of translation between the CSS world into the animations being performed on the anime application as seamless as possible. Your Google, now, you should just rewrite the internet. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a major change in 1.2, right? Yes. And then there's going to be another pretty big change in 1.4, is that correct? Not in terms for the end user. It's not like, you know, oh no, they have to learn something new. It's going to be the same API. However, the internals have been broken up in a way that allows us to extend it better with future versions, and it also allows the developer to do more things. Hmm. So, Matthias, something I've been wondering about with the animations, one thing I really enjoyed about JavaScript animations is to be able to do some kind of a promise where at the end of an animation I could perform some action. Is there going to be any way we could do something like that by hooking into the new Angular animations with the CSS? Yes, there is. Um, so the big key difference with 1.4, which I'm really happy to sort of point out is back before with 1.2 and 1.3, we had the CSS code, which is very complex and, you know, it figures out exactly how long the animation is going to run and it does staggering and all that other stuff. That stuff was tucked away and you couldn't use that stuff. However, now there's a service called Animate CSS where you can just throw in any combination of CSS classes, styling, durations, easing, all that stuff. And it returns a callback promise that you can use in your code. So if, for example, you have a JavaScript animation, but you still want to use CSS within it, you can kind of mix them both much better. Well, that'd be great, because that's something I've been really wanting to do more of, because I have a, another third-party library which I use animations, and I'm actually still stuck on JavaScript animations just because of that exact reason, because it's while CSS animations are easy to use, if you actually want to perform logic around that, it makes it difficult to do without having some kind of a callback or a promise. So that's good to hear. Yeah, that stuff right now is sitting in a and a pull request on GitHub that I believe Igor is filing through and should have it fairly soon. Like, the code is ready, it just it needs to be sort of polished up. You know, another thing that I found that was really interesting when kind of trying to dig through and learn to do animations was the fact that so many examples were actually done using GreenSock. GreenSock's almost like the jQuery of the JavaScript animation world. <laughs> or the web animation world, you know? Like, there was more examples in using GreenSock than there were just using plain CSS animations. And that kind of added in this extra level of, well, do I want to bother putting in Greenstock and learn that, or should I just be learning the plain, regular old CSS animations and then tr and transitions? The answer yeah. is yes. The answer is yes. So I actually find that Greenstock's great, and um, I've, I've been talking with Jack about sort of how can we work better together to make Greenstock sort of fit, play better with Angular, and then to sort of the insights that he has from building such an amazing 
animation library, how can we put some of those insights into Angular? And uh, he's been very helpful. And what we what I what, what I kind of came across when I talked with him is I'm a CSS guy. Like I know CSS very well, and I've used CSS for over a decade. And like not many people, you know, want to sort of bother playing with CSS and getting that into the mix. But a huge reason why there's so much CSS in Angular is, is sort of because I wanted to, you know, not have to have a, a third-party framework. As amazing as all for third-party frameworks are, I wanted to sort of embrace what the browser can do by itself. Right. So and it's your fault. This, it's yes. my fault. Yes. <laughs> so that's why we have that animate CSS service because that's an extension of it. So you can do even more of CSS in 1.4. Yeah, is the animate CSS that's been there a while, right? It's been there a while, but it hasn't been there in the form of you as a developer being able to interface with it. So, if for example I wanted to calculate a height based off some JavaScript code, and then in line with that height difference, I want to you know add a CSS class and I want to set the duration to be a certain amount, and then I want to set easing, and then once it's all done, I want to execute this other animation. That's the kind of stuff you'll be able to do now. Hmm. And you won't have to rely on GreenSock. You won't have to rely on jQuery, which is pipe it directly through the CSS rendering system. So I have two related questions, one of which I think you're answering, but I'll put it in a different way. The first question is that I want to be able to take action when the animation completes, and that has been hard, but I take it it's easier now. And then the related question is, so I want to do some testing of some of my directives that have animations in them, and... And ideally, I'd like to just be able to turn the animations off during the test because they don't really care, but in other cases, I might want to turn them on. So what's the testing story? Okay, so let's start with the testing first. So Angular definitely has a good testing story for animations. It isn't really well documented. I will definitely put work into documenting it once 1.4 is out. So we have angularmocks.js, and inside of there, there's a module called ng-animate-mock. What that will do is it will expose a spy on dollar animate, which will tell you what animations have been triggered. So you can effectively turn off animations, but you can still detect when animations are triggered within your own directives. I can provide a link, which you know we can sort of have with this podcast, that points to some of the internal animation code for some of the directives in Angular, such as ng-switch and ng-include, and the testing code that we have to detect when an animation is triggered. Yeah, that would be really helpful. I, I have looked into the source code and seen some methods to call that kill an automation or you know turn off the animating but i hadn't really gotten a sense of how that whole thing goes together so if you've got something on that i think certainly benefit me and i hope others right and uh, i can't remember what the first question was could you repeat that the first question is i want my own code to take action when the animation's complete and i don't really necessarily know what they all are particularly if i'm in a view model you know, I may, I'm not sure that you know, most of that might actually be in the, the UI. So, so what, what is the best way for a developer to know when the animation has completed? Maybe, you know, something has slid in, you know, the, the, the list is finally populated. Now you want to make something else happen or be possible and so forth. Okay. So one of the major enhancements in 1.4 is that we have, we sort of switched from the callbacks that were on the elements, so like element-based callbacks, because those existed for 1.3, we switched over them just to be directly in line with the animate service. So inside of your controller, if you were to inject $animate, you could set up an event listener, say $animate on, and say when a view element has you know finished its animation, then run this function. And that way you don't you're not messing with the DOM, you're messing you're sort of having an event listener inside of your controller, and in that way you can sort of react when animation has happened. That's exactly the kind of separation I was looking for. 
Right. This will get better over time with one point. Like right now, 1.4, it's there, and we'll see how it works. And 1.5, we'll, we'll improve it over time. And then as we get further, closer to 2.0, things will we'll have better control over sequencing and you know, detecting when animations end and controlling timelines and stuff like that. So, Matthias, as, as you're working through the Angular animations in 1.4 and then in 2.0, are they pretty closely aligned? I mean, are these two separate efforts, or is this something that you're seeing is kind of, you know, not taking two different brain cycles to put together? And as far as moving and developers moving in that direction, what do you see as far as the, uh, the struggles to go from 1.4 to 2.0 with the Angular animations for us? It's going to be one repo, like, just like Brian's router code, which is going to be for 1.x and 2.0. It's going to be the same thing with ng-animate. So as soon as this, as soon as 1.4 is merged in, I'm going to repurpose all the unit tests and all the testing I did, and I'm going to sort of make the API work for 2.0 as the way it is right now. And then all the enhancements, all the cool stuff that 2.0 brings, there's going to be a whole other layer of animation features. So for now, what's going to happen is 2.0 is going to be the same, the same sort of you know enter and enter active, leave, leave active CSS stuff. The JavaScript portions might change. But it, the whole point is not to, not to have two separate repos that have to be maintained because that's too hard. So we're just going to have one repo, which is going to cross-compile down to 1.x and 2.x. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's cool building that. It's a lot of fun. Have you, have you guys uh, delved much with ES6 and uh, at the higher-level language features that JavaScript is going to have soon? Yeah, quite a bit. Loving it. I'll, I, I guess I'll throw water on that. I, I have been, and I do love it, but I, in the same sense, it's not like there's something brand new that I've never been able to do before that I do with the S6 that I, that I was just saying, wow, how has my life ever been made better by this? <laughs> so, uh, yes, I love new technology, but in the same sense, uh, I'm getting along fine with the S5, too, on many projects. Well, you know, you're a .NET developer, right, John Papa? That's your background. So uh, you probably dealt with C Sharp a lot, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's a really feature-rich language, right? So you've been kind of spoiled. So if you think about us web developers, you know, dealing with ES5 for the past 15 years, and now it's like, oh, cool, we can have classes now. It's a pretty pretty mind-blowing thing. It is, it is pretty mind-blowing, but in the same sense, it's funny. When I went to the web world almost full-time about three, four years ago, I came from all having classes in Oop, and what's really interesting is at first it was like, you know, pulling away all of the crutches that I had, and then now, I don't even think about it. I don't even think about, wow, I need a class to inherit from, or I need generics, or I need... There's ways people can get around it for years, as you know very well. Obviously, I'm not teaching anything you don't know. But uh, I'm going to say it, John. I hate classes. There. I said oh, it right here on AIA. You heard no! it. No! <laughs> I hate classes. Hooray! It's so amazing, you know, getting off of classes and going to JavaScript with functions and objects. It's so pure and simple. It's almost beautiful. See, the thing I like is I like the balance between classes and closures, right? Because I, I love functional programming. I love when you have a really cool combination of closures and you can do a lot of stuff with very little code. But sometimes everybody starts off with OO. So there's still this paradigm of object-oriented programming that, you know, I, I adhere to. But I like being able to balance both of these together. So JavaScript, with the way that it's going, it's going to have a lot of these cool features, but you can really make some really cool, simple applications when you combine the best of both worlds. And that's what web development is entirely. If you think about CSS, it's not like laying out items with CSS, you do it one way. No, there's like six or seven different ways you can do it, but you use one trick over the other when you have to. Yep, I think there's definitely a place for all these things. And it's not like I'm not using classes or ES6 just because I want to stay firm to what I'm doing. But uh, in the same sense, I'm also using the new features judiciously. I'm not going to switch just for the sake of switching. There are places and times to use all these things. So I just wanted to throw out there that it's not all 
flowers and roses for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm only kind of joking about classes. I, I hate the abuse of inheritance, which is a plague on static languages, and, and I'm fearful of what's going to happen when people bring that sensibility to JavaScript, and suddenly we have three- and four-level deep things, which were never good in our static languages and are no better here. You know what I'm really worried about, Ward? I'm what are you worried, worried about? about? I, I like the annotations that are coming, right? With like TypeScript and AtScript, the old AtScript. But I'm a little worried about AOP going crazy. It happened a lot in the .NET world, and I'm afraid that we're going to have aspects on aspects on aspects. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's, it's a real risk. But uh, we are <laughs> we took Matias's word there, and we went running with it. So. I'm going to swing it back to animations. And you know what? I don't know about you guys, but I love an animation when I see it, a good one, but I don't know how to pick them and I don't know how to write them. And I'm hoping that somebody's going to give me a set of them that sort of meet general functional needs that I have in my apps and I can use them. Is Matthias, are you or is your group going to have a sort of side library of these? Is Material Design going to have a side library of these or are you recommending anything? Kind of both, actually. So uh, there's a there's a really cool library called Animate CSS, which works really well with Angular. You can just reference CSS classes and attach the animations, and then you can attach them to events in Angular. That's one way. The material design aspect, I haven't closely worked too much with material design. Like this whole animation refactor is is, is sort of in f- catering to the needs that material design needs. So uh, definitely, uh, as this gets further along, you know, material design is going to have really cool and funky stuff. There isn't a need for us to make like a like a whole animations library that's going to be supported by Angular because we're just trying to make it so that other libraries can really hook into Angular very easily. And I think the Lucas Lucas has uh, work with animations as well. So um, have you found any other libraries outside of Animate CSS that you like using in GreenSock? So I really like GreenSock. One interesting library that I was going to mention on uh, my picks is called NGFX, done by Scott Moss, who was at NGComp, super rad guy, and he basically took Animate CSS and rewrote it as a set of directives on top of GreenSock. And so that's a, a really cool kind of a library that he did. So it's kind of Animate CSS style animations, but built with GreenSock. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think that especially with this new timeline stuff that's coming, the better that we make this ecosystem of triggering animations and controlling animations, the more libraries hopefully will come about and the easier the libraries will be to maintain and to hook into Angular. That's the long-term goal. I think that that's like sort of the combined focus of Angular in general is, is not to sort of compete with what's out there, but make it so that it can plug and play with other things very easily. So, Matthias, I do have a question since we have this very public forum called Podcast is what, and I know we've kind of talked about this, but I'd love to get a little bit more elaboration. Uh, Coming from kind of a Flash background, there's a framework called Gaia where you would actually, it had the idea of routes, but then you could actually kind of hijack the routes and then do kind of these transitions, these really cool transitions, and then give control back to the routing mechanism. What kind of integration if any, do you have planned for having animations kind of play well with kind of routing to give us kind of those rich animated like page transitions from one page to another? Right. So this has been a big undertaking with Angular, and I'm, I'm working on it. Me and Thomas Burleson have been working on this, and uh, some of the Ionic guys have given their insights to this. The idea here is that you have some form of a view change, whether it's a route or whether it's some sort of com- like a view within the application, 
and you want to control the sequence of animations or the sequence of effects that occur between them to change. So a lot of people just assume that this is routing, but you know this could very well just be some very smaller example of routing. So the idea is this timeline feature, which I demoed in NG Europe and when I showed a little bit more in, in NGConf, the idea here is that you'll be able to have all these animations get triggered, but then you can control which ones occur and in what order. And you'll have this like mini DSL, and you can have you know, the directive layer kind of determine what happens and for how long and pass data around. It's really, really powerful. And uh, that's going to be the, the way to do it. Because if we were to go the route of having everything in CSS, it would get too complicated, and the JavaScript would get too complicated. So this timeline thing is, is there for the more advanced stuff. Would I be able to hook that into the router? I mean, that seems to me, uh, and maybe you can correct me, seems like the logical place to do it. Neither the view from which I'm coming nor the view to which I'm going would necessarily know much about what the animation should be. So I'm, I'm kind of like Archimedes. Where do I stand? So yeah, you, you would. So the 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 routing aspect. So I'm trying to I'm trying to not couple this with with routing. I'm trying to not couple it with like a particular you know configuration file. The idea is that any form of a view change. So if you think about a route, that's ng view or ng or UI view or the new router view changing the view element. So it's the view element that's going to trigger the animation. And then you just attach that timeline to the combination of view elements. Does that make sense? I see. So if I had that placeholder where the views were going to be swapped in and out of, that's the place to insert my animation instruction? Yes. So think about CSS, right? It's not like, you know, you explicitly say in your application that this thing has a style. No, you have a style sheet that latches on to the application. Same thing is going to happen with this timeline stuff is that you have a timeline behavior that latches on to some component inside of your application. That might just work. <laughs> We're hoping <laughs> it so. just might. It, it's been, uh, it's been, de- there's a lot of stuff that's been developed for it. Like I've, re- I've written it like four or five times. And the reason why I keep doing it is because I build it, it works, it's cool, but then we want to do something else. And we just want to support as much things as we can and sort of think of this paradigm because if we do it properly and it works, I could really bring forth a bunch of really cool websites down the road. So what about the idea of adding, and I'm a big proponent of this, um, so I'll pitch it out there, of adding in default animations to all the kinds of transitions and hide and show and all that kind of stuff that are in in Angular. Uh, It's something I've found in a lot of frameworks that a lot of people don't use these things until they know what's there and how to use them. But what if there was something just out of the box that just a default simple animation, kind of like material design is doing? Have you guys thought about that? Yeah, well, that that should be possible. You just... um if you, for example, animate CSS, you, you have to do the work to assign which animations, but if you as a developer were to make something that just automatically plugs and plays with Angular, you should just be able to use CSS directly. And that's, I guess, what I'm saying is why not have just ng-show, ng-hide, ng-switch, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, you know, UI router, the ng-new-new-new-new router, that thing. All those <laughs> kind of things just automatically hook into the animations by default and have a very subtle animation. I would say that, you know, you probably like it for like the first week of doing things, but then you're like, I don't want to have an animation here. And then you're doing extra work to disable things. So it's like, which side of the um, the coin are you on? Are you on the side that, you know, is adding more features or are you on the one that has every first and you're just disabling things? Animations should be mandatory. You can't disable them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think they should take four seconds for every transition too. <laughs> should we also use Comic Sans for the fonts on the website as well? <laughs> and a blink tag. And, and a marquee. Uh, yes. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the uh, original Angular Docs website? Oh, God. Yes. It's like yellow and uh, purple. And <laughs> I 
I just saw at a large corporation that I remain on nameless, I just saw a new uh, website that was created that had a uh, marquee going across the top. So I had to get laugh and giggle a little bit. I think that tag was uh, deprecated in Chrome. I don't think you can use marquee in Chrome. Exactly. I think they had to fight to get it back. That's why I think it was funny. Is it took a lot of effort to actually make this happen. That's an enterprise feature, man. You can just break the whole <laughs> enterprise app with that. Mm-hmm. you got to keep that. Back on a serious note, uh, so Matthias, as you're exploring all these things, do you have a canonical app that sort of reveals what you can do, what you're striving to do, that sort of helps us um, learn about that? Is that part of the distro for you? Yeah, so I've been building websites for a long time, and I really like to build them, and I'm always building one thing or another, even in my own spare time. And uh, one thing that me and Lucas put together last year is we put this YouTube browsing website together. And uh, I've always liked building, working with that API. So that that YouTube thing, I just have this like website that I have for myself, like a YouTube website, and I keep testing out all this animation stuff on there. A lot of prototypical things on there. And uh, that's sort of the website that I'm driving everything with. You know, there could be other use cases that I'm sort of falling, like not including in my applications, but the way that I see it, it's a website I can add pages, even if the pages don't make sense, I can add them in there just to test them out and see how it works. Uh, something like that would be great to ship as part of documentation or something, huh? Yeah. For us to learn, or maybe you can even give us a link for the show if you care to have anybody look at it, or is it closed? No, no, no. It, it, right now it's just somewhere on my computer, but once 1.4 is out, and once the timeline stuff is out later on, I will sort of be updating and showcasing this website with all the new animations. Because there's no other way you can really do it. You can't just, you know, write tutorials that you don't have a demo app with. You have to have a demonstration app. Because that excites people, and that's something to work with and hack and fool around with. Like, how often do you guys learn new things by reading a book? No, you take an existing tool and you sort of fiddle around with it, right? Uh, if we can, yeah. <laughs> some of the time it's really, uh, really rough out there. So I can't take examples for granted. I don't know about you guys. No, there's nothing like just diving into a code sample and kind of seeing how things are done, and especially how, you know, experts like, uh, Lucas or Matthias are doing these kind of things. So we can kind of learn the right and wrong ways to do that stuff. Cause one of the worst things about documentation is sometimes you get lost in the technical meaning of how things work, but the pictures with a thousand words. Just actually seeing it in action is really helpful. Exactly. Yeah. So, Matthias, I'm going to put you on the spot. You keep talking about when 1.4 is out and when the, when 1.4 is out. And at ng-conf, it seemed like it was going to be any minute. So, you got so any <laughs> You got any news for us? Yeah, I do. I'm, um, I'm, I'm the reason why. I'm the bottleneck with ng, uh, with 1.4. It's because what happened was with ng-conf, I was like, all right, I, I did. Basically, before I have my presentation, I'm like, the work's done. And they're like, cool, where is it? I'm like, oh, it's 8,000 lines of code. Okay, cool. I'm like, you guys can review that one day. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's been going back and forth for the past week. And then I moved to, uh, to, to California, so it's just in the final stages of being reviewed and fixed up. And then once that's out the door, then we will have 1.4 out. All right, now I'm back to trying to get you to commit during the show. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Yeah, so we are almost there with 1.4, and things will only get better from 1.4 on. There's a lot of bugs that um, I'm fixing with, with ng-animate in the state that's in. That's the reason why this whole refactor is coming around, because there are certain things that were unpatchable. But you know, I'm, very, I'm very happy with the way that turned out. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, and we will see how this stuff will evolve into 2.0. Any nice. migration issues that we should highlight, or did you already do that? There's a couple small breaking changes. Those will be highlighted in the release notes. 
you know, it's the stuff with the callbacks. And there's one other breaking change where you can't have a JavaScript animation and CSS one running at the same time. But that's the reason why we have the animate CSS service so that if you do make a JavaScript animation, you can just use CSS inside of there. So it's not really a breaking change. It's just a, a different way of doing it. And, you know, it's not like the main thing was not to sort of break the API and do everything over again because it's been changed a few times already. So I like the way that it is built, and you know, from the next versions that are coming, are not going to be these drastic changes. It'll just be upgrades to the the animation system. All right. Well, we're pretty much at the end of our time. Is there anything that we didn't ask about that we should have? Well, there's still the stuff with the timeline, but the timeline stuff is coming later on this year. That stuff, uh, like I will definitely have more demos with that as stuff goes on. But in regards to animations, no, no. There's the the stuff for 1.4. We've all talked about. All right, good deal. Well, let's go ahead and do picks then. Joe, do you have a pick and a tip for us? All right. So my pick is going to be the movie McFarland USA with Kevin Costner. Okay. It was actually an awesome movie. It was rated PG, if you can believe it, that they do still make non-animated movies that are rated PG. To, and it was awesome. Beautiful movie. Really enjoyed it. But with a buddy of mine and saw the movie and just had a grand time and definitely a movie you should see. So I highly recommend McFarland USA. And I'm also going to pick Matthias because Yay! he's coming to Vegas and he's going to be <laughs> on a panel and you can ask him not only the hard questions we asked today, but even harder questions. And we're, we're going to nail him down. We, we, he won't be allowed to answer any questions without a firm commitment. <laughs> no, I'm excited to have Matthias on the panel at Indie Vegas. Yeah, it'll be cool to hang out with you guys again. Yeah. Awesome. Ward, do you have a pick and a tip? A few first, uh, and I'm, not sh- I'm sure we should have done this, but I thought Matthias's presentation at NGConf 2015 was superb. And if we don't have the link on the show, we should put it there. Uh, he can't say that, but I can tell you, it was really good. From the movie category, I loved Citizen Four, which is about Snowden. I thought that was chilling. If one-sided, it was still chilling and worth watching. And then um, last week, I mentioned... a book that I was excited about, but I couldn't remember the title. And so I've got it now. It's called Teach Like a Champion, and it's about techniques that have been observed in effective teachers in the classroom. And I think of those techniques as being equally useful if I'm trying to make a presentation internally to a group of my own folks or uh, on stage to uh, in a workshop setting or perhaps even in a talk. So I wanted to recommend that. Awesome. Lucas? So you already got one pick that's NGFX by Scott Moss, um, pretty cool library. And my second pick is the book that Igor mentioned on his talk at NGConf, uh, Search Inside Yourself by Chade Meng Tan. And I've started to read that, and it is a pretty humorous book, but it's just talking about mindfulness. And um, so Igor's talk really resonated with me, and uh, so I've been trying to apply some of those techniques to my life and this just an excellent book and uh, you know pretty easy to read and um, I think that the benefits are exponentially obvious once you get into it. All right. I've got a pick or two. Uh, the first one is, uh, again, I just want to thank everybody who backed the Kickstarter campaign. I'm also going to pick a book that I read. It's Ready Player One. I know it's been picked on the show before. Oh, I was going to say that just now for my pick. That's a great book. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I listen to it on audible in like two days because I just couldn't put it down. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. There's another book I'm reading right now that I'm going to mention. It's called mastery by Robert green. 
It's basically like 40 principles or techniques for gaining mastery in some topic or, or something like that. So anyway, it's it's really, really good. And I, I'm really enjoying it. The first half hour or so of the book on Audible, I didn't really like, but it started to make sense why he started that way once I got past that. It just didn't, I didn't feel like it introduced that very well. But the rest of it's great, and it's got terrific examples from all kinds of people who have um, mastered stuff, you know, people you've heard of, you know. So anyway, those are my picks. Uh, Matthias, go ahead. Do you have some picks? Yeah, I was going to mention Ready Player One. Um, I actually haven't finished the book yet, but I'm reading it. It's really cool. One thing I'll pick out for anybody who's a Vim developer, if you haven't upgraded to NeoVim, I would advise that you do because it fixes a lot of things and it's really cool. Um, I haven't seen any movies lately that I could suggest, nothing that comes to mind, but that's pretty much for my picks that I have. Awesome. All right. Well, I don't think we have any announcements unless Joe or Ward have announcements about AngularU or NGVegas. Well, Joe, you already brought up NG Vegas, which is going to be great. And that's, did you tell people when that is? May 7th and 8th. Right. And the next month. That's, it's coming so fast. (laughs) And Angular U is in June. With a very awesome speaker. You may uh, know him. His name's Joe Eames. His name is Joe Eames, and that's the reason I'm going. Uh, (laughs) I've heard of that guy. I've heard of that guy. (laughs) I had to beg, scrape, and borrow to be able to get to see that guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm hoping that maybe Matthias will honor us with his presence as well. well I'll, I'll be there, but um, I don't believe I'm talking. Hopefully I can convince Brad about something, but from this point on, I haven't uh, agreed to have a talk yet. Well, that's because Joe is taking your place. Yeah. <laughs> it was either Matthias or Joe. And it was me, Matthias, or Joe, and we said with. that's no contest. <laughs> yeah, Joe's the bigger guy and will break your knuckles. Yeah, no, I was a bit afraid of him at uh, NGCon. Most people are. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, let's wrap up the show. We'll catch everyone next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. 